Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's another week um, back on a Thursday again. We did Thursday last week as well because our entire schedule has been messed up because I think the world's awful, but also we had to um, hide that one episode, the the lost episode, the lost files of Brigham Young Money. So um, we're a little bit late, but I, I don't know what we're going to do next week. But hey, we're back here again and it's Kyle and we got we got Jordan here on the mic. Jordan, how's it going? What's up, everybody? Um, oh, you know, I'm just uh, watching uh, Donald Trump's speech right now at the RNC, and he is just completely sound like he is just on lewds. It's awesome. <laughs> Dude, he is yeah. low energy, just completely just like leaning into the podium, just like, and our beautiful jobs are coming back. Dude, they, oh, man, that's such a bummer. Yeah. So he's not going off the cuff, right? No, no. He's staring directly at like the teleprompter, too. Like, this is like straight on, like, Ooh, this is this is the fun one. That's so boring. He um, is the definition of masculinity. He really is. Thank you, Greg, for your input there. You're welcome. Oh, oh, is, oh wait, this is Greg. Sorry. This is Greg. Uh, you'll, for 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 you guys on the pod, you'll notice I got a lot more handsome, much more handsome now. Um, Shut up, uh, new Greg. <laughs> even bigger somehow, much larger. You have to say suck my dick from the back. That's that's the Greg thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Spencer Cox, you can suck my dick from the back. There we go. Now Um, it's Greg. Um, Yeah, so you might know we've got a we've got a third voice on, and much to everyone's surprise, it's not Greg. Greg is on a much needed sabbatical um, in Idaho for the weekend, riding bikes. You know, whipping whipping ass on the bike. Is that what you do on a bike? He's pedaling hard. He's pedaling hard on a bike this weekend. So we brought in our buddy Colin to talk. Just the insane day that we've had today. Um, as I mentioned, today's Thursday, and um, oh my God, this week has felt. I don't. I time time isn't really a concept to me at this point. But today in Utah land in particular, it's been pretty absurd. But it, the the reason why things got so bad and nutty today kind of stems back to what happened um, in the in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is where Jacob Blake was murdered by police or uh, almost murdered by police. Sorry, I uh, I forgot that they really tried really hard to murder him by shooting him seven times. In Somehow the they even fucked that up. Yeah, they didn't murder him. They attempted to murder and execute this man in the street, and um, somehow he miraculously survived. But this is a, I mean, this gained uh, international popularity and views because somebody was across the street just filming the entire interaction. And basically these cops were pointing their guns at him and he walked away from them, which we all know, of course, is just asking to be murdered. Apparently, if you don't listen to the cops, every single word. The Constitution says if you, uh, you know, don't comply with cops, that's a death sentence. <laughs> Dude, it, re- it does. I think that's that's one of the that's one of the amendments, I believe. When there's like um, blurred uh, text on the Eighth Amendment next to like cruel and unusual punishment, except if you walk away from a police officer. It's written in magic marker, so you have to like heat it up or whatever in order to see that part. But it's definitely <laughs> the, there. Lemon the juice used to make it appear. Yeah, lemon juice. <laughs> only cops and Nicolas Cage knows about it. Yeah, it's instead. There's not a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. There's just a statement that says, "If you don't listen to cops, they'll fucking kill you in the street," and they're justified. So, you know, um, that's on the back of the Declaration of Independence as well. So, um, 
Jacob Blake miraculously survived, um, but this, you know, stemmed another like mass set of protests, um, including some very like visceral and big protests in Wisconsin, including, you know, um, more fires at police stations and basically what would be described as property violence by, uh, by the right. They love, they, they love that property. One of the most amazing things out of all that too, that I saw was, uh, one of the buildings that was burned was a Wisconsin department of corrections building that apparently was like for parole. And, uh, what was spray painted on like the rubble was, are you listening now? And I think that was a very profound statement too, because like Martin Luther King said, like riots are the voice of the voiceless, but I think it's, not necessarily that it's more riots are the voice of the people who are continually ignored. Like, yeah. Yeah. We can only do it so many times. I know. And like, and like if peaceful protests don't bring about any change, like then something is going to happen. Absolutely. Like, I don't know what people really expect at this point. And like, there's, I mean, it's been, it's been shown a bunch of times. There's like that spray paint that says like, you've stolen far more than we could ever loot. And like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's the same shit over and over again. Um, but this turned into like a whole new story when, you know, we've seen a lot of these protests that have popped up where there's been a ton of like proud boys there at the Salt Lake protest. There were proud boys with guns there was the guy with the bow and arrow who actually did try to shoot someone with his bow and arrow, but due to being a total dumbass, um, couldn't get a shot off. And the fact that everyone tackled and beat the shit out of him before he could do it again. So, um, there was, there's these, there's this like set of people who think it's their responsibility to be a militia, um, to protect this property. And, we saw literally like one of the most horrific examples of this that's played out I, in modern American history where um, there was a 17 year old kid from Illinois who, you know, who it, 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 we later found out like on his Facebook, he's like a blue lives matter obsessed kid. He like wants to be a cop or whatever. Yeah, um, he's like a police explorer explorer yeah. too, which is like, that's the worst thing you could be in high school. It's like, who I, wants to be a wannabe cop in high school? It's so embarrassing. I, I It's just the most incel shit ever. But he gets his AR-15. He drives to Illinois. Um, and then there we saw some videos. People were, I mean, there were videos that were going up, like through the night and basically saw videos of cops thanking the militia members for being there. And they offered them water and all this stuff. Um, but things really started escalating people. So there were like shots being fired. So what basically ended up happening is that the 17 year old kid ended up shooting someone in the head and was running away from a group of people who were chasing him. And we get video of the people chasing him as this kid is running towards cops who can see what's going on and then just like leave it be. And they just run away and the cops leave. And the kid ends up getting tackled, but on his way down, he's obviously still got this AR-15. He shoots another two people, killing one of them. Um, and so he killed the first person and then kills another person and then injures a third person. And like we saw these videos. And so the next morning, um, you know, there's all this stuff coming out about, you know, people who were there, like the cops knew this kid and they let him get away. Like he ran through the police lines to escape. And so in the morning, all the right wingers, like the normal cast and crew of like 
your Ben Shapiro's, your Laura Ingram and your Tucker Carlson or whoever. I don't even know if he had chimed in yet, but we're basically and, and Coulter and Coulter said some shit about how she wanted him to be like president, right? Or something yeah, like yep, that. Yeah, he did. I mean, she did. Yeah. And Coulter said this kid should be president, which I yeah. So basically at this point, um, people are, oh, Tim Pool as well, just the normal fucking losers. We're all defending this kid who shot three people, killed two of them, and just saying he was justified. And then it turns out that the cops in Illinois ended up arresting him and charging him with first degree homicide. So maybe not innocent. I guess we'll see what ends up happening if he does end up getting like you know, off on self-defense, but a lot of the people who were already defending this kid, of course they doubled or tripled down on this shit and basically just started lionizing this kid for crossing state lines as a 17 year old, killing two people, injuring a third. And, um, I think there was no example that was more egregious than Tucker Carlson. So, um, he's been especially astute during the uh, protests over the last, um, three months, but back in June, when he was showing clips of the burning down the the burning police station or whatever, you know, during the those first protests after George Floyd's murder, he said, violent young men with guns will be in charge. They will make the rules, including the rules in your neighborhood. For some reason, it's now different when it, there is a 17 year old kid with a gun who was it, like imposing his will with the gun. He said, how shocked are we what, that 17 year olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would weird that that's just like the, the tone change there. Well, and what's weird is that they always talk about, uh, you know, these protests having outside agitators, right. From other places. But weirdly, it seems like this kid showed up from out of state to hurt people and kill them. <laughs> we know, and we know for violence. a fact he was an so, outside yeah, agitator. Yeah. Like that is, I don't, uh, I mean, that's, I don't see another definition for that. But he yeah. was protecting property. That's the important thing is he was protecting he, property per, in another yeah. state, in another community he's not from with a firearm he's not yeah. legally allowed you can't, to have. You can't look up the property's past to see that the property had a drug charge or the property had a warrant for their arrest or the property had – you like property is inherently innocent so it can be it's 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 noble and like you can defend it no matter what it's fucking ridiculous it's so disgusting i'm trying to think there was another thing that someone said i'm trying to remember what it was it's i can't remember off the top of my head but there's just like these rules that they establish for for these things just blow my fucking mind like they just cannot i mean it, it all comes down to the fact that they think that if you don't, well, it, it's racism, pure and simple, but also like them saying, like, if you don't obey the cops, like, oh, well, you wouldn't have died if you didn't obey the cops. Oh, well, you wouldn't have died if you like did this. It's it's absolutely disgusting as if because the, these people think that I mean, they're always so worried about these slippery slopes of losing rights, but like are for some reason not concerned at all about cops doing extrajudicial murders in the street. I don't give a fuck if somebody was you know, if they're bringing in a murder suspect and, and they kill them in the street, that shouldn't happen. Like judges, the cops are not judges and they don't get to decide who gets executed in the street or not. Like it's, it's insane. The, the, the distinction between all of these are, and it goes all the way back to Trayvon Martin too and George Zimmerman is it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It's like our guy was always in the right no matter what. Like George Zimmerman followed Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin was not a threat to anyone. It was also 17. Yeah. He, <laughs> George Zimmerman trailed him. He stalked him literally. And then when he caused them, like Trayvon Martin defended himself and then yeah. he ended up dead. That was self-defense right there. Yeah. What and, this little, I mean, look at, look at poor Tamir Rice who just happened to be out in the oh park. 
Like, I mean, like, what are you going to say there? Like, Dude, that they, kid did nothing I, wrong. I saw someone defending Tamir Rice or d- defending the Tamir Rice murder. I He's a fucking, he was a 12 year old kid that was murdered by cops for having a toy gun. And like, they, they pulled up and the cop got out of the car and shot him immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Five seconds. Like, a child. And like, so people are often like, okay, well, here's an example of this white guy who shot a bunch of, or had a, like, in Draper. It was Draper of South Jordan, but basically there was a guy with a, a machine gun who was shooting at cops. They took him in um, and he was alive. That, I mean, that should be the stand. Like, we, we shouldn't want white people to also get murdered by cops. Like, we don't want that. But the standard should be that people, no matter what, cops shouldn't be murdering people. Oh. Like, that's not... And oh my God, and the, again, this isn't something that's the standard in other countries. That was another dumb fucking argument I got in on a bunch of like Andy Larson tweeted like this shit doesn't happen to other countries. He didn't swear. He doesn't. He's a nice boy. He doesn't swear. But he said this stuff. To, he said this doesn't happen in other countries. And a bunch of fucking chuds got upset with him for saying that. They're like, this does happen in other countries. And yes, um, Syria has more police murders than the United States. I think we're in between Syria and Afghanistan, I think. But like, yeah, we're up there with like Brazil and Syria. And it's like Brazil, yeah. Venezuela, Syria, the United States. It's, yeah, it's every country that's, e- yeah, every country that's either in the civil war or conducting an ethnic cleansing. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's the company you want to keep as, well, as the yeah, nation. Dude. I, and yeah, so that I I forgot about that till right now that there are people that just defend this and they'll go, they'll jump over, they'll jump through as many hoops as they need to just to like I, just to say that this black guy deserved to die. Like there there are people still defending the murder of Breonna Taylor, um, even though that entire thing was complete bullshit. Like the reason the cops were even at her apartment to begin with. And CNN tweeted an article that Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend, not even the one that was in the apartment with her when she was murdered, her ex at some point like got drug charges. It's like, why? What are we doing here? Like, what the fuck? Anyway, so and on that note, there was another police killing in Salt Lake today. I don't know the details yet, but police killed someone else um, this evening. That one was weird. I think it was like um, the marshals actually killed. Are you serious? Yeah, I think it was a fugitive. And oh. I, like, I don't know the details either, so I won't go too deep into it. But I actually think the marshals were involved. The relationship that police have is like the fact that cops have guns on their person changes the relationship that cops have with the people that they're supposed to serve. Like, I think um, in the UK, cops have guns, but they're they're in their they're in the cars like they're they don't walk around with guns strapped on them because it 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 inherently changes the relationship that these cops have with people around them when at just any moment they could just decide to kill someone. And that the, the psychological impact that that has is very significant. And it's, again, this shit does not happen in other, uh, okay. Developed nations or countries that we would like to be compared to, or that we think we're better than. Oh, it's more it's just, just, yeah, it's more than just like just having the armed police too. Cause a lot of countries in Europe do have armed police. Like, yeah. Germany has armed police. Norway has armed police. A lot of Scandinavian countries do, but it's also just because like we're the only country that has no sort of like set standards for police throughout the entire country. Um, they're just—I mean—they're completely unaccountable as well. Yeah, so it you can have matter your, if they do anything. Wrong. Exactly, you can have your local yokel be your sheriff, and doesn't matter what he does because he's only accountable to himself. So yeah, so. You know, this has been going down this whole week, and this has kind of been just like this story that's been rolling from day to day. 
And when, you know, this is, this is the only Utah sports podcast as well. So we are going to talk a little bit how this has impacted sports. And by a little bit, I mean a lot because, um, so yesterday, Wednesday was, um, the first NBA game of the day. We are in the NBA playoffs. Um, the Milwaukee bucks were scheduled to play the first game of the day against the magic. And that game started at 2 PM mountain time, I believe. And like, it's getting close to 2 PM. And all of a sudden it's like the players aren't leaving like the locker room and the players like are not, they're not going to play this game. And so the bucks basically decided they were going to strike and um, you know, and not play this game. And so at first I'm like thinking um, like overall, like players should, I mean, I don't know how, how any, anyone, I, I couldn't focus on my job at all this week and I'm not on like national TV playing a sport that requires like insane focus. So like if players don't want to play, I fully support their decision to do so. I was just like fully not expecting the amount of solidarity that we saw after this. So I was like, okay, they're not going to play this game. It's the bucks. Like I get it. And like, you know, it's their community where this happened, but all of a sudden now it's like, Oh no, now, now the OKC player, like Chris Paul, OKC and Houston, they're not playing either. And no other NBA teams are playing. And I was like, Holy shit. And they're like, now we're just like suspending the playoffs. Um, like un- until further notice. And then something even crazier to me happened is that other sports leagues were like, yeah, no, we're not playing either. And this started with, um, I think the brewers. So I think the brewers were the, so when this, when this bleeds into baseball, you know, like, um, shit's pretty real, but like, so the America's brewers were pastime. like America, America's pastime. I think the only sport that did continue was the NHL. Um, so, and they're I, all postponing tonight though. Oh, are they? That's good. Yep. Um, yeah. So, you know, NHL continued that day and I'm very glad they're not. I think a lot of people got mad that they continued, but then RSL had their first home game um, that evening and that was scheduled to be at seven and they had sold out the stadium of 5,000 fans. They only were letting 5,000 fans in. And so they ended up calling it off, um, you know, right as, about kickoff time, but we'll get into that in a moment. But um, the NBA players also got together and were at like LeBron. It came out that LeBron and the Clippers were saying, let's just cancel all the playoffs. I think that didn't end up really catching on. I think that most of the players want to continue. Um, And (laughs) what did the jazz say, Jordan? I know you, Oh yeah. You uh, have some strong words about this. The jazz just had like the standard sort of like milk toast statement you have when any sort of like big movement in the NBA happens where they can't really like say nothing. Yeah. So here's what the jazz had to say about it. The statement from the Utah jazz and the Miller family. We support and join with the National Basketball Association, its teams, the players, and the Utah Jazz in condemning social injustice and violence against black people. Our family and organization remains fully committed to and focused on building a country that is equitable, just, and safe. We also echo Jacob Blake's mother's plea to use our hearts, our love, and our intelligence to work together to, to show the rest of the world how humans are supposed to treat each other. Oh, well, Whoa. Whew. Yeah, there's a cool. few things in there too. First, it's good that the Jazz put out something. I guess. I mean, yeah, they have the to put out minimum. something. The bare minimum, they had well, to put out something. Compared to other Utah sports owners, uh, way more than <laughs> oh, than. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna have fun with that. Um, but also, I think it's, but yeah, yeah also at the same point too, like invoking like Jacob Blake's mother, by who's been like saying like 
don't riot or things like that too. I think kind of undercuts a lot of the message that a lot of people in the streets in Wisconsin are actually trying to put out. Yeah, like, well, it reminds me of. Oh, oh sorry, Colin, continue. Well, I was just going to say it's crazy to me that they mentioned Jacob Blake's mother, but they don't say anything about the horrific violence that happened to Jacob Blake, right? Yeah, like no, that's not at, all. at a bare minimum, you need to say the horrific, like the fact that this poor man was shot seven times in the back. Like mm. that's what we're talking about. Well, they right? like, can't mess you know, up relationships with police, you know, with like they got a lot of money sunk in that SLC Police Foundation. I guess when you're a major contributor to the Salt Lake City Police, you don't want to rock the rock the boat too much. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I uh, we're going to talk about the RNC later, assuming we have some time to go over it real quick. But um, Burgess Owens spoke, or what, whatever he did at the RNC, and he mentioned second chances and and that kind of thing. And he's like, I love being about like being in the party that believes in like second chances or whatever, which is so fucking weird to me that like, they're so obsessed with digging into these people's past who get murdered by police or digging into any pending charges or warrants or anything. Like, you know, who doesn't get a second chance is someone who gets murdered by the police. Like, so if you really believe in this second chance and this rehabilitation, like you guys are on the wrong side, but we, we, uh, Jordan very gracefully mentioned our other sports owner that happens, which of course is the sports owner, the owner of real Salt Lake, Deloitte Hansen, um, billionaire, uh, billionaire playboy entrepreneur, real estate developer. Uh, who's not a slumlord. So I've heard, yeah. Oh, uh, I got some, I got some juicy disaster, stuff about that. Disaster later. capitalism. Oh boy. Oh. It's, it's, it's bad. So, um, as I mentioned, so like RSL was supposed to play LAFC on Wednesday night. Uh, th- wait, is today Thursday? Wednesday night. Yeah. Yep. So, um, no one, re- I mean, people, I-, I was fully expecting the game to go forward. I was like, I was thinking maybe some players might sit out specifically Nedum. I was thinking that he might, but like, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I was very pleasantly surprised to see that, um, that both teams said we were not going to play. And they took like a photo of both teams standing together in the middle of the field, which was great. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not playing tonight. And we're like, you know, they all use that time to speak out about everything. Um, and, and Kyle, you weren't the only one surprised by that. <laughs> no, I wasn't either. The person who was most surprised, though, it, it appears was Deloitte Hansen. But also, um, it, it's worth mentioning that that night, MLS kind of tried to take credit for what took place. They basically released a statement that said, you know, like we as a league decided this and it, it, it was a league decision. They kind of really pushed that. And then multiple players called them out for that. They were like, this wasn't a league decision. Like, guys on RSL and LAFC decided that together. Like, they just went ahead. They were like, no, we're not playing Right. It wasn't well, a league decision. Right. And and that is 100% true. And that, that was really infuriating. And that's, I just want to briefly back to the Jazz statement. The Jazz yeah. didn't mention the fact at all that basically the players decided not to play. This was right? a like, strike. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was that was not at all in their statement of like, we support our players in their decision not to play. Like they made it, they just support their the players in their, you know, fight for you know, justice and for nonviolence against black people, but they never mentioned explicitly supporting their players and, mm-hmm. and their belief in not playing. Yeah. It, yeah, it, exactly. So, um, so as, as, as MLS kind of took credit for this, you know, I, I, I kind of didn't even, it, it was really in the back of my mind thinking about like what Deloy Hansen 
um, was how he was going to respond. I didn't think he would be as stupid as to do what he actually ended up doing. So Deloitte Hansen very famously owns a lot of companies in Utah. And one of those companies is Broadway Media. And Broadway Media owns ESPN 700. They own X96. And um, I wake up this morning and I see that Deloitte Hansen is on radio from hell talking about the players not playing um, the game. And I was like, oh, my God, he's really he's really going to do this. So this is why we brought Colin on today, because we've got some diehard RSL fans in the chat right now. Um, we had to send Greg to Idaho because he doesn't like soccer. He would just beat us up. Yeah. So my first reaction was who still listens to radio from hell? Dude, that's is it's so. Still an I actually did show? because um, Sim Gill went on radio from hell after Mads was given a life sentence, and the rest of the protesters were as well, or they were charged with something. Oh that shit! Is that going to happen to me now? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Am I in a gang? You are Listen. the third guest, but only one of our two guests so far has um, <laughs> has gotten a potential life sentence. So that's, you're that's bad. You have one in three shots. <laughs> um, so. Sim Gill was on, so I did listen to that and transcribed it for. I, I gave Mad some notes because she didn't want to listen to it. It was brutal, but um, yeah. Who who does listen to Radio from Hell? I I, I have t- not um, listened to Radio from Hell since I was in high school. Same, um, like whole, two of them. The whole or? bit of Radio from Hell is that it's just two dudes who make fun of the woman. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah, essentially, but they all like RSL. They're all like big RSL fans, I think. Um, Definitely it, Gina and Carrie, I think, are the two big RSL fans. I mean, it also helps that they probably get have to be RSL fans since you know their their general <laughs> corporation is owns yeah. the RSL. So, well, yeah. So Deloitte basically uses his his ability to go on any radio show that he owns. Um, he uses that when he feels like he's got something to say. He did this. He did this when it came to the Mike Peck key thing, and. So when he does this, um, you know it's going to be good because he doesn't do this very often. So he goes on and basically says the dumbest possible thing he could have said. And um, I will go through some of these things that he said because it's it's just an absolute, absolute shit show. Um, but f- first thing that I would like to point out that he said is that he, he described his players as being sort of he said they supported other issues that were national issues, but they clearly did not have support for our city and our organization, which is so fucking ridiculous that because I mean, there's been protests in Salt Lake. There were, there were two months of protests every day in Salt Lake. There have been multiple police murders throughout those protests that have taken place. And there is an entire city block that has murals of people's faces of people who were murdered by police like this isn't this isn't a national of course it's a national issue but it's a very local issue too and to pretend like like they they were simply just like oh we only care about what's going on outside of here like this isn't you know i I don't know what the fuck he meant by that but it's i i have i mean i I, I don't know the way I the way i interpreted it was that um essentially what he means local issues is the people in the stands who are going to be there and the mm-hmm. people working the game who he then decided that he was going to fire and lay oh, off, oh which boy. he then goes into. So I'll let you yeah, talk about we, we, that. We will talk about that, but like, yes, exactly. So by local issues, he means 
I did this big thing. Like I was planning this big thing to get everyone back together post COVID, which is hilarious because we were still very in the middle of the pandemic. So he's like, I got everyone together. And to RSL's credit, they did have like a pretty good safety protocol for the game yesterday. I did. I wasn't going to go, but like, um, I, I don't really have a big critique on that. I, I still think it's a stupid idea to get that many people together in any situation at this point, but whatever. He was mad that people didn't like his community thing, which just so happens to would have to given him some money. So he went on to say, I'm sadly disappointed that we didn't weigh the effect for $12 an hour employees, which of course he could pay them more, but who we shook hands with an hour later and said, you won't have a job here. We will not be inviting fans back to the stadium in the future because his feelings were hurt. We will um, Monday. I start having to cut 40, 50 jobs again. We would not go through the risk of inviting people back to have that kind of an outcome. He's so, really upset that, so he, that the game didn't happen. Yeah. I have a question there. Cause I've, I've seen that transcript a couple times and I, I've seen it with, 40 to 50 employees and i've seen it with players also in that same he, he, he did say jobs so it was okay. kind of unclear but he he did clarify in the second interview he, he did two interviews today he did say he was talking about staff um but yeah so it's a moment of sadness it's like somebody stabbed you and you're trying to figure out a way to pull the knife out and move forward that's what it feels like the disrespect is profound to me personally he loves the word profound um, I am very, very supportive of an inclusive, fairly liberal agenda. That is who I am. I have been strongly in favor of that. He's a notable like Trump guy. So is Andy Carroll also. Maybe that agenda has gotten so far that we're punishing all sides of society who would love to support an inclusive society. There was a business decision somehow to punish local fans, local businesses, and a local sense of community pride. That's pretty hard to take. If we don't communicate as we cross the issues, we were prepared after hours of discussions to have the team come on the field, kneel during the anthem, knowing that a great number of fans expressed that would be a profound disagreement to them in the flag. Uh, quick side note. He's saying that players should have been grateful that they were given the opportunity to kneel during the anthem, knowing it was going to piss some fans off, but they should have been thankful enough for that. Like we said, we already pre-approved their protest. Be we happy our, with your table scraps, plebs. I, I God, I, I forgot how bad this was. I, this is the first time I'm reading through it since I listened to it. We said our organization represents inclusion. We're going to say they have that right, and we're going to support that. Even as many as 300 fans threatened to cancel season tickets. I'll have him know. Uh, he knows this now. A lot more than 300 have tried to have, have successfully canceled their season tickets today because of what he said here. But we count the fans that to be who Real is. We have to be inclusive. They say, can we bring our blue lives flag? We're not trying to stick the needle in the eye of everyone and, and point that we're trying Let's see. We're trying to take the, a moment of respect and understand these people or these profound feelings. He says profound again. We say we have them too. It's to, and then this is what really what really gets bad. It's taken a lot of wind out of my sails. What effort I want to put into recruiting players and building a great team. It just seems that this is not a very good path to take. So he's basically saying that. Uh, one, because of because these players who are workers in this organization, because they went on strike, I'm going to have to fire 40 or 50 other workers who will get paid a lot less, but it's the player's fault. And also now because of this whole thing, I don't really care about the team and I don't really care about like building what I've claimed to care I, I, I want to build. And I it's 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 just insane. So <laughs> this, of course 
got um i mean i really can't emphasize enough how we pitted like labor against each other there like i just so disgusting um which is amazing too because like he like he brought up COVID a lot when it comes to like his employees yeah. and like how COVID has cut like a lot of employees too. And even though all of his furloughed employees, all the people at the stadium, he didn't fucking pay them anything when he furloughed no. them too. That those were the players who were actually paying those salaries, who were making oh, sure dude. that those people didn't fall into poverty. That gets that gets so much worse, dude. I, I we're gonna we're gonna go in because it gets way worse. So naturally, this this sparked a pretty big outcry like immediately. Uh, RSL soap. So I'm got to admit, I have another podcast that's on, it's an RSL soapbox podcast. Sorry guys. Um, so I will be talking about this more like also on the other podcast too. There's just, there's so much to say here, but I just, swear more which on is this quickly one. to your RSL soapbox compatriots. Like what a fucking day Dude, they put in all <laughs> of you put in such a day. Like, uh, dude really really incredible work soapbox um, pumped yeah. out like 17 articles today about about everything um yeah i i don't do any of the writing um but i try to like pass as much stuff along to the people who do so it was we had like an all hands on deck type of day and it was fun and i was also trying to work so that didn't go well yeah so this got picked up pretty quickly um and rsl soapbox has a really good article called um Ryan Sanders wrote this one. It's called Catch Up on Whirlwind Newsday as Deloitte Hansen Blast Players Accused of Racist Abuse. Um, so after that article goes live, or it was live, it basically instant backlash from fans and then prominent figures within MLS. So instantly we, we had responses like tweets from um, like Nick Romando. We had some comments initially from Neto Manoha like last night. But weirdly, we started getting some the, the first one, their first really weird one I saw was Josie Outdoor, who's a striker for Toronto FC and the, the U.S. men's national team. He said, I'm part of a group that wants to buy RSL. We need to get Deloitte out of here because this is completely unacceptable. Then we get Donovan Mitchell. We get um, Jordan Clarkson. We get Mike Conley. Like just instant, all this like player solidarity among like, like all the Utah sports, but then just across like all of MLS and um the nwsl as well and i was like i I remember i i have like a slack group for um for this rsl stuff for rsl soapbox and i was like saying um we really are going to need some like mls solidarity but i did not expect how quickly and how big this got um like and we had we had like chris wandalowski um i think he has the most goals in mls but he specifically said i would never want to play for an owner like deloy hansen um and then Nedham gets interviewed by uh, the BBC and says, like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and Nedham Anoha is one of like the most he's he's RSL's Donovan Mitchell, but just like a veteran. Like he's new to RSL. He played his entire career, very distinguished career career in like in England playing in the Premier League. But he is he's come here. He has a podcast. He is instantly he's like one of the main members of the Black Players for Change in MLS. He's just like that type of Donovan Mitchell guy, but for RSL. And that's something that we haven't had really in years past. Um, no. Yeah. Right. He, he's, he's so impressive. Like he's so community oriented, um, leader on the team, like in the community, like Nedham is just like such an incredible asset to RSL. Yeah. And the, he, and the fact that Deloitte would think to go on this radio show and disrespect guys like Nedham and think that the fans were going to, like follow suit with him and be like, yeah, 
you know, fuck these players. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, you have to, like, that is just like I, the hubris you would have yeah. to have. Like, it, it's, it's insane. It's mind blowing that well, he thought this was going to go well. Well, this, that also explains like the second step of all this, too, which was the, the Spence uh, Checkets interview as oh. well. Yes, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> So as stuff is heating up, we're getting like all these different like Nedum's on BBC saying like, I don't want to be here. And Nedum's perspective, I think, is is particularly interesting. He's he's a black man, but he's he's born and raised and lived his entire life in England. And then he comes here um, and he sees like a very different experience as a black man in a different country and he talks from he he he's talked about this and he he eventually had an interview today as well but he talks about this these things and mentions that he comes from a place of like increased safety because he can leave whenever he wants he has somewhere else to go um when black people in this country who are from this country and live in this country can't just go back home to england or something like that since they're from here so he speaks from like um a perspective of how, like he, he feels safer saying certain things, um, you know, and, and, and so, oh my God. So Deloitte went on ESPN 700 again, uh, or excuse me, not again, a, again to a, a, a station that he owns um, basically with, he went with Spence Checkets and Spence Checkets. I'm, I'm pretty mixed on him overall, but he basically gave a, a uh, 15 minute um, monologue setting up the stage for us all to forgive Deloitte Hansen. He was saying things like we should be giving him the benefit of the doubt. Hey guys, listen, I disagree with all of you, but he, he spoke from a place of emotion earlier. Um, like, do you guys even have, do you guys have woke grandparents? Like who, whose grandparents aren't racist said all like that type of shit, trying to frame it as, as, as closely just about this one isolated incident as possible. Um, and then he goes on and he brings Deloitte in after the break and check it's, uh, Spence check it's famously the son of Dave check who was the found, who founded RSL in Salt Lake and was a uh, part owner until 2013 when Deloitte, um, bought him out. But Deloitte is technically Spence's boss here in this situation, but he just made everything way worse in my opinion in this. And he got called out pretty, pretty extensively for this by all of MLS media. And um, he felt, he feels super, super offended that he planned this big COVID comeback as he called it. And he did all this work to get fans back in the stadium. And then it was taken away at the last second. And he talked about like, Oh, he, he, he mentions that, you know, we have even less money now because we lost $3 million in revenue or excuse me, ad revenue which is um, because of his comments earlier that morning. So he doesn't take credit or he doesn't take responsibility for anything. I got to be honest, like the most disgusting part of that whole thing, which was really hard for me to listen to, is that he mentioned Nedim when RSL had to furlough a ton of employees. He mentions Nedim specifically using his own money to give people just checks um, because the the organization didn't do anything for them. And I've heard from multiple people who got those checks from Natum, never met him in, in real life, but he was sending people um, over $1,000 just um, out of his own bank account just because he felt bad for them and the club wasn't doing um, enough for them. And so he says this, he says, Natum did this for these people, but then the players striking yesterday basically means that like they did the opposite. They took away all these people's livelihood. So <laughs> he, he both blamed, he, he gave Natum credit for doing something that he didn't do and then blamed him again for something 
that he could have eaten like this man is a multi-billionaire and he's complaining about a single strike of players and like a smaller set of staff and he's like already threatening to fire people I feel like I need to bring up like the thing of the Spence Jackets interview that really made me the maddest was oh. all of this was scripted. You could tell the entire thing. He was just reading off of it too. Like he sounded like he was being held hostage by ISIS or something. Yeah. But like <laughs> he, he started off too with like the remorse too. It's like, I feel bad about what I said. I sincerely apologize. I want you to know I am dedicated to racial justice. Yeah. I have funded attorney generals, which I'm guessing he, since he like tried to bankroll like David Levitt's campaign for attorney general, I passed out copies of new Jim Crow. I would wild. also like racial change. I'm like, okay, Fine, but why are you so mad about this one thing when the entire league did it? Yeah, Colin, what were your thoughts on that interview? I know, I know, we all had, we all loved that a lot. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable, um, honestly, and you know, not a, not a moment of it seemed genuine. He was right, just like, crocodile tears. He was crying, yeah, literally crying, because like yeah, I literally. love Utah so much. I'm sorry, I did this. Yeah. And, and, you know, for this guy who bought a $1.3 million dime to then sit there and (laughs) and claim poverty that he can't pay employees $12 an hour. Like it's it's absolutely heart wrenching and devastatingly, sickeningly gross to say something like that in the face of your wealth and the ability you have to make a difference in these people's lives. Yeah. How fucking like out of this world like just out of touch must you be to say something like that yeah it almost um, seems like it's a guy who made all of his wealth by ripping off contractors allegedly yeah um absolutely what what's natum had some really good comments on this okay so oh the natum um, interview after was yeah amazing that was super good but he I, I don't know where he gave this one but this is from natum as well he says this is a game, and we're sorry you've not managed to make this amount of money, but I personally do not give sympathy to billionaires, Noah has said. A billionaire white man in America criticizing people who are trying to rally around in, the, in need the most in this country, it doesn't add up. So when I saw it, my initial reaction was I was furious. My next reaction was just after it settled in. I thought to myself, why am I here when the person at the top doesn't stand for what I believe in? And what I believe in isn't a radical thing to believe in, yet we're being criticized for having these views. It was a tough morning for me because I I genuinely ask myself, why am I still here? Do I want to be here? What am I going to do next? And if this isn't the person who is in control, what chance do we have? I, yeah. So Nedim goes on right after this again with um, Spence Checkets. And Spence basically, you know, he asked some dumb questions like, what would it take? Like, what do you want? De- what do you want Deloitte to say to you for, for, for you to forgive him? He's like, <laughs> I don't want him to say any, like, I don't, I, I don't I, want him to say anything, but cause like Deloitte was saying like, if only, if only Nedim and I had had a conversation again, Nedim or excuse me, Deloitte hadn't had a conversation with any RSL players since the strike happened other than Zach McMath, but it was about whether the players were going to be able to be in the practice facility or not, which they were not. Oh my God, dude. Oh, uh, but also I think like the one thing, yeah, you usually talk about that thing too. It's like, uh, Nedum pretty much has said too is like I don't want to hear anything from him except for how he feels. Like yeah. I don't I don't care what he says. I mean I want to know how he feels. And I, that's I want to know I'm, what's actually going on with this guy because it's not like what they what they claim to what he claims to say or what he does say or claim to believe. Um, so 
again, so in the background as all this stuff is progressing today, um, I tweeted something today and I was like, if you have any, if you work for RSL or have worked for RSL or know people who do and want to share your story and want it to be like shared anonymously, just DM me. I got a shit ton of DMs. Um, Andy Larson had a tweet as well. That was basically the same thing, but just like reply to it. And like, it has 370 or excuse me, 168 people (laughs) replied to it. Um, and so there, there's, it's been this open secret for a while of how awful RSL or RSL, but Deloitte Hanson companies in general are to work for. And I've, and I've gotten, I've gotten beat, bit and bits and pieces over the years. Um, but this, this really is just like put everything out in front. So Natum goes on, uh, on and, and, you know, says basically the same thing he's been saying and just like, um, I encourage, I, I don't know if we can, I don't want to encourage people to listen to Spencer's show, but, um, Natum was super solid. He he went on and basically just said exactly like what the players believe, why they did, why they did a strike, and yeah, like pretty straightforward. If you can only listen to Natum's interview, do it because nothing yeah. else on that entire show is worth a fuck. Because yeah. you could, if you can listen to the fifteen minute diatribe that Spence Checkets gave, but like, oh well, a lot of things are taken out of context in our culture of cancel yeah. culture and wokeness oh God, and blah blah dude. blah blah blah. I lost making it, making it about wokeness, dude. I was like, oh, and he's like, well, I guess just, you know, this is just the era we live in with social media. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like there are real people who work for this guy that aren't just the players who are being just like devastatingly mistreated. So this and, whole, sorry, continue. You know, I hate, I hate that I'm so woke that I just don't want people to be murdered and gunned down in the street. It takes a real what woke a, person. What a woke to idea. To say I want to do something about that, or res- like, like that kind of that kind of thing is just it's it's so like it's stupid. Like yeah. who like yes, nobody wants this. What are you talking about? It's not a woke idea. Or yeah. just respected as human beings, so your boss doesn't go out there and he just talks about you as a fucking prophet, dude. I yeah, exactly. So throughout all this, like I said, I asked for DMs and like other people were getting DMs as well. I have. I've never seen so many. I, I feel like Ken Klippenstein, dude. I just w- I like <laughs> busted out my signal and everyone's texting securely. Shout out um, to Ken Klippenstein. Absolutely. Shout out to Ken Klippenstein. But this is this is something that um, Jordan mentioned about him being a slumlord. So he, he owns Wasatch Properties and he owns a shit ton of apartment complexes. Something that Deloitte Hansen does is that employees of his get an employee discount at, the, at these apartment complexes. Well, um, this is something that I heard from, oh my God, I can already, I can already see the, like, so you have a job for Deloitte and your housing is provided by Deloitte. I know exactly. I feel like I know exactly where we're going to pay you a company script. After he furloughed the employees, Deloitte Hansen raised the rent on dozens of employees who live in the properties he owns when he furloughed them. Um, by as much as $600. Motherfucking parasite. This is after Deloitte Hansen and Andy Carroll repeatedly lied to employees before furloughing them, telling them their jobs were safe. And many members of the staff are still furloughed, including Andy Williams, who is a key part in the story today. Um, Oh, we'll get to Andy. Yeah, so just insane shit. And also, I'm starting to hear, so in the morning, MLS is having these conversations where... In the MLS Constitution, which was made public because of RSL, because of the Petkey saga, which was a whole fucking thing. Um, now the, the MLS Constitution is public. And part of the MLS Constitution, because MLS is a single entity, is that if the if the board of 
the board, which is basically all the owners, if they decide that one of the owners is detrimental to the league, it, it takes two thirds of the owners to basically vote them out. And the, the, the person has to sell the club to the league and then they'll sell it to someone else. People are starting to share that. And it turns out the MLS was having these conversations early in the day too. Um, and then I'm starting to hear that there's this like at ar- this article for the athletic that's being put together. The athletic, of course, um, made up of people like Chris Kimrani, Stan- Sam Stachel, who are both ex. Well, um, Chris Kimrani, one of like a great sports writer, worked for the Triv for a long time, covering the RSL beat, and Sam Stachel, who worked for RSL for a long time. They're putting together this like mega article. So that's like we're all. I'm like waiting for that the whole day too. But in the meantime. Andy Williams goes on Tom Hackett's show. Uh, he's he works for KSL Sports, and this this interview was one of the most like insane things I've ever heard. Um, I'll just quote from. Uh, um, hey Kyle, from before Ryan we go further, we should probably sorry. give a little context about who, who Andy Williams oh, is. Sorry, yeah, first off, bad. Andy Williams has been a player for RSL since 2005. He was one of the original players. For he was RSL. Yeah, he was on the first RSL team, and he's been around forever too. Like he retired in 2011, became a scout for yep. RSL, and he's been around ever since. He's been on furlough since April, and. And also, it should be noted, he is the only black man that is in the front office for RSL. Yep, only black man in the front office. He's and I will say, I was just going to say, Andy Williams is beloved by RSL fans. Absolutely beloved. Original player, helped a key contributor in the MLS Cup title, has always stayed with the club and been a member of it, you know, interacted with fans. Like, Andy Williams is, like, the embodiment of a player, much like Nick Raimondo, like, is RSL. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's someone that, that you look at and that like you associate yeah. with them. Like the four key figures of RSL is probably Andy Williams, Jason Kreis, uh, Nick Ramondo, and uh, Kyle Beckerman. Kyle Beckerman yeah. and Javier Morales. Those are our yeah. five. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Andy Williams is definitely the OG. And um, he, oh my God. So he's been the head scout, like Jordan said. He's been furloughed since April. Hasn't heard from anyone at the club since April. This is a like a legend for the club. And he's just been sitting here doing nothing. So he, he is Hold kind on, of- Hold on, one more thing. A, yeah. a total RSL thing to do because they treated Javier Morales yep. so shittily <laughs> when, uh, by just by just eliminating, like not even telling him, not giving him a heads up, just ending, terminating his contract and saying, see ya, club yep. legend. And like, just like, uh, like the, the ownership under Deloitte Hansen has just been awful. They did the to same. the players and like and and to what they've contributed to the team. Yeah, they did it's, the same thing to Christ too when he was a coach. It's like we're just going to cheap ass our oh. way out of your contract. Yeah, we we lost Christ because of Deloitte. That was just just straight up. <laughs> and, and we lost Loggerway too. Yeah, we lost Loggerway also. Um, so and Bill Manning. Um, so <laughs> uh, this will. I guess that's this, the other thing we should just quickly mention. This guy is awful at his job. Yeah, if Delorean his job is to horrific. put a great sports team on the field, the team has gotten so much worse since Deloitte took over, and yeah. it has been a, an absolute shit show from, you know, from you know not securing Jason Christ's contract to losing Garth Logaway to losing Bill Manning to poor coaching hires. To to, to to like having a contract on his desk ready to sign to say we're going to play this player this this big transfer or even a player on a free transfer from overseas and he'd be like no I don't want to pay them that much and we lose out on these, these these players there's been multiple players we've missed out on because of that Andy Williams called him Donald Sterling 2.0 
Yep. And that's true in more than one way. In running it a sports really team, sucks. he's just like Donald Sterling. Just yep. cashing yep. those checks, getting fans in the stadium, not really giving he, a shit about used, what the product he on the legitimately court. Reviews, he views the players, the like the stadium, the academy, everything. It's like real estate. It's property. It's an investment for him. Doesn't care about anything else. Um, so yeah, he does money Andy, ball in reverse. Yeah, he, he really is. So Andy Williams goes on Tom Hackett's show and just goes off. And I highly recommend people listen to it. But basically, he's like, when I was working as a scout, they wouldn't let me do anything. They wouldn't let me travel. They wouldn't let me scout. I was basically just watching players online like anyone else would. And he like had no ability. Like, he, like I said, he would get they would they would get someone that they actually wanted to sign contract on the desk. Deloitte would refuse just because he didn't want to pay it out. Just just disgusting. As I mentioned, Andy Larson had his tweet about like, you know, share your Deloitte Hansen stories. And there's just some fucking insane stuff in there. Um, including some really, let me see if, uh, Oh yeah, this was, this was a crowd classic. Um, after Wasatch group purchased market star in Ogden, he came and spoke to us along with a few of the players from the Royals. He constantly referred to them as his girls and spoke about the wonderful colored gal he worked with. This was like, um, just a few years ago. And I, there's been, I've had like five or six people con, like independently confirm that to me. Um, at, at a Christmas party, he told all of the blonde white women to get up on stage and dance and sing a hymn, which is what I heard from someone else. And then instructed any of the women who wasn't blonde or, and white to sit down. Like, it's just, I, even just outside wasn't, of like the racism directed at players and all of that, I have gotten so many stories today of just like, sexual harassment verbal abuse racism in the workplace and then just like just being like i've heard multiple people being like and i don't ever want to say people are people are creating fake twitter accounts to anonymously share information because they're so worried about even like sharing information with me that they could get fired because they were so worried about deloy hansen ruining their lives because they know he will yeah here's a couple more from that too Heard from a quote-unquote middle management employee that he was the most toxic person and feared going into work every day. One day, he sent out an intern to his unlock car to get a bag of coins to show off during a staff meeting and touted how much about how much they were worth. Also, someone had to fit the bill for workers who had been working 14 hours with little breaks to receive a meal voucher. When Hansen found out about this, he made the staff team members go around the stadium to collect the vouchers. Oh, my God. God. And I like, so I'm hearing from, I'm hearing from people who were um, obviously the players stories are, are, are the, like some of the big ones that end up coming out in the athletic article, which we'll get to, but like, I'm hearing from, I'm hearing from grounds crew. I'm hearing from graphic designers. I'm hearing from marketing people. I'm hearing from just like literally every department in this RSL organization that everyone's just fucking miserable. And they're just taking advantage of the fact that people want to work in sports. So they pay people terribly. They make them work a shit ton of hours, but people want to work in sports because it's like a cool job to have. And people have like work towards that type of thing and they feel lucky to have this job but they just get com- treated like complete shit and then are scared about retali- uh, retaliation for forever saying anything <sighs> so it continues so the athletic published an just an absolute bombshell of an article today um like i mentioned Stam- sam sage school um i think paul tenorio as well but and uh chris camrani and uh Meg Lennon as well. By the way, so, shout out to Chris Camrani for just being one of the best sports reporters in the state. He's he's fantastic. I'm, just the, the, so good, I, so I good. Really I miss him miss on him. all his beats. Yep, miss miss the RSL beat in particular. 
basically it starts with Andy Williams saying like, I'm not surprised. That's just how he is. Said Williams, who is black. He's a fucking racist, to be honest. I've been in situations where it's like Donald Sterling. He says something. It's like, Oh my God, what did he just say? It's like Donald Sterling part two. So he goes on to describe a few different situations in which, um, this one in particular was one of the most horrific just so there's the RSL was down in Dallas for the, this Academy tournament. And the night before RSL played, um, played uh, FC Dallas in which Kellen Acosta young black dude plays for the men's national team scored on us. And they beat us two zero Craig Weibel, who was the GM at the time introduced Deloitte to Kellen Acosta and was like, Hey, this is Kellen Acosta. He scored on us last night, kind of a jokey thing. And Deloitte, the way he joked back was saying, wow, when do we get a lynch this guy to his fucking face? He just says that he just, he just went ahead and said that, um, oh, Kellen Acosta's, uh, um, oh. agent confirmed this happened. And Andy, you know, talked about that as well. And it was just like, so there's been other situations where he drops the N word and his wife at the time said, Deloitte, you can't say that. And then he says it again. And Andy just is like, can't fucking deal with this and being the only black man in like the front office he never felt comfortable enough to like bring these up who do you bring it up to like you can't how did when it's the owner especially when he has <laughs> everyone else in that front office shaking in their boots too like yes it's, like, it's a culture everyone, of, it's a culture yeah, of fear so what you're going to have is fear is going to protect deloy hansen no matter what yeah um so this continued and he um you know he went on to say like there was Another thing where he called where Aaron Mond was in an elevator and he had his hood up because there were some other there were there were um, some fans in the elevator, too. And he was kind of trying to hide or just be incognito. And Deloitte got in. And when he saw it was Deloitte, he took his hood off and said hello. And he's like, oh, Aaron, I thought you were a thug. Um, so that was cool. And then the he worst made part about com- that story is that it was in front of Aaron's oh. family. His oh, my whole God. Family that's right. Was there on top oh, of that. My God. Jesus that's Christ. Right. So. And so I'm saying, let's see. And he looked back at me and said, oh my God, I thought you were a thug. And my whole family whipped their heads around and looked at him. And I just kind of gave them the eyes like, he doesn't even know. It's not even worth having this conversation because those kinds of things I had seen, those kinds of microaggressions I had seen thousand, a thousand times from him. So there's just like so much of this shit. And Andy just went absolutely off. They had con- they had comments from Aaron Mond, which I'm very glad they brought him back to, to make these comments. But also... Um, Albert Rusnak's agent when they were like in contract negotiations um, like they Albert and his agent were speaking in English to each other um, and his agent's black and Deloitte said oh are you guys is that how you speak African just like what the fuck dude so it's just it's this like Albert Rusnak is if you don't know a Slovenian like he's not <laughs> yeah, Slovakian, Slovakian, yeah. Slovakian Slovakian yeah, sorry. Yeah. <gasps> yep um, so just really, really awesome, really awesome stuff. There's, so there, so there, there's this layer of like that intrapersonal racism, but like, there's also just like how he views these like players as just like these assets that he, you know, yeah, he, he said that in the first interview with uh radio from hell too. He was like, I bought these players. Yeah. Which yeah, I will. Like, I will give a little bit. That is a soccer term. It, that is. It a is a soccer term, term but that like he, seems he doesn't to, use soccer terms. He like, yeah, he, seems yeah, to he doesn't know it. that he term. Seems to embody it. Yeah, like he's not using I, like exchange window and things like that. He's just he, he really thinks he bought these people. He thinks yeah. he owns them, and it's he he treats them like I would give him the benefit of the doubt if he didn't treat them like they were, they were a property. Um, 
<laughs> so just just the most insane shit. So I mean, where do we go from here at this point when it comes to RSL? I I personally think it could even be by the time this episode comes out, he might be he might be out. But the he's not surviving the weekend. Yeah, he's he's not. Um, RSL is supposed to play a game on Saturday. The MLS Players Union has basically said this needs to be investigated. And if these are true, which we have multiple corroborations, the Athletic doesn't publish things like this. No, you don't have three names on a byline and just have something made up. Nope. They have. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so they're like, if these are true, then um, he shouldn't be an owner. And if the MLS Players Association is saying this, then players might just be like, no, we're not playing until Deloitte Hansen's not an owner anymore. And I think that's very likely that we're going to see that. Um, especially with like, I mean, even with other teams, like th- there are other, like there are NWSL teams that are saying Deloitte Hansen needs to go, but like Nedham is really close with the MLS players association. And, um, you know, I think that like he, like there's going to be people refusing to play. And I, I honestly, like you even had like Albert Rusnak posting like BLM stuff and he's like, doesn't tend to be the most like um, progressive dude, but like, oh. I think our players are legitimately like in solidarity with each other right now to a level that like, I just didn't, I, I wasn't expecting right now, but like Deloitte really is fucked here. Oh, he's I done. I don't think he's, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he could have survived the first part because it's like, Oh, he's just a dumb owner or whatever, you know? He's a white guy from Utah in his fifties, whatever that happens or sixties, whatever he's old. But, um, this part along with it too, done. That's it. You already had the, like the entire like national press start to shift on it too. But once that Atlantic article dropped, that's it done. Yeah. Yeah. And you could see the MLS tried to do the like, Oh, he's just a 50 year old. Like the, the MLS's initial statement from Don Garber was so bad the first two sentences after this whole interview that he gave is praising him for what he brought to soccer. I appreciate. Yeah. Like how much, yeah. How much they appreciate him. And not one hour later, the athletic article drops and it looks so stupid. Oh, just unbelievably stupid. They they, they had to put out out another statement saying like, okay, now we're investigating this. Sorry. There was no rosy language in that second statement either. It was like, we take these very seriously. There's zero tolerance. We are going to get to the bottom of this. It's like that, that just means like, uh, we can't say anything nice about this or save this guy. This guy is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And it ties into them kind of taking credit for like the protest last, the the protest and the strikes last night when they claim this was a league thing. And then they have, one of their owners going out and saying this shit um, like this is on them. Like they, this is like a reflection on the league. And so uh, and you can't be the progressive American sports league with owners like no, this. And, and especially for MLS, which prides itself on having a more progressive fan base because you have anti-fascist ultras in pretty much every MLS team yeah. there. Which is, hold on. I will say, that has been a huge struggle, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like last year yeah, you had the stories yes. about the pr- Proud Boys being a part of New York City FC. Yep. And you had the whole fight with like MLS confiscating iron f- front banners in mm-hmm. Portland and Seattle and their supporters groups spending, you know, 20 minutes in complete silence in the stadium and like Which all sorts sick. of stuff. So it's like, I would say that that's actually been like one of the frustrating things to me about the Black Lives Matter thing is 
how shitty MLS was about well, all of it. They've caught up. They're right trying to catch moment. up to where the where the fans were. So I think it's definitely true that like overall, I think the fans tend to be like less reactionary than like other American sports leagues overall. And we they're finally got like fashy. RSL. Yeah, we finally got RSL fans to stop waving Betsy Ross flags too. Yeah, yeah he got. <laughs> Like, yeah, that was, that was bad. So, but like overall, I mean, there are the freaking, the fascies in New York and all that, but overall, like MLS or um, soccer fans in general in this country tend to be a bit more um, progressive and the league has finally attempted to catch up to where they're at. But um, you can't have owners, you can't have owners like this if that's like what you're trying to do. So um, I think he, he absolutely smoked himself today going on. And that's honestly like the most what in Deloitte's words, poetic thing about it and profound about it is that if he just would have shut his fucking mouth and not gone on TV today, or excuse me, on the radio today, which actually it was on YouTube as well as live stream. Um, then taken he would down be now, fine. by the way, all taken down. I know. You oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. X 96 completely erased that from the internet. Um, <laughs> which is funny too, because one of the things that like Spence Jack had said to was like, a lot of these things are taken out of context. Like, well, we'd like to see the context, but you took it off the internet. <laughs> the context was worse. Um, yeah, it was, it was way, it was, it was way worse. So yeah, they took everything off. Um, and if he wouldn't have gone on TV, so like this, this, the, the athletic article coming out today, People have been waiting for a kill shot on Deloitte Hansen. Um, and I've known about like this kind of thing for a long time. I know there's been talk of like people putting together like a project to kind of expose all these things at the same time, but it's it's been so difficult because people are so worried about speaking out. Like Andy Williams is speaking out now because he's been on furlough since April and no one's talked to him since April. Yeah, he's got like, nothing to he lose. He doesn't he has nothing to lose. He doesn't give a shit. There's like players who are gone. Um, Albert's agent confirms that something happened, but like when you have players going on the record like this or ex players or club legends, like Andy's known this information for a while and people were upset with him, but it's just like, people are so worried about speaking out in this environment that like they needed a moment like this and Deloitte Hansen fucking gave them that moment. And, He's getting smoked for this, and I'm so glad. <laughs> and I guarantee you this is just the beginning, too, because with every sort of bully you see, no matter what, once the once the dam starts to give a little bit, the whole thing comes down. Dude, I, I can't. I have seen so many anonymous messages today of just like, I I just cannot even believe it. Like, um, let me let me find this one. This was. This was particularly good. There was, uh, there's, I've, I have a close friend who I've talked to throughout all of this, and uh, she, dude, she, working eighty hours a week for two and a half months straight, and on a salary of twenty four thousand dollars per year. What? Be f- like, um, what there was she, someone a else. Student. <laughs> so there, hey, it's legal for people, us, okay, man. I mean, just just the labor practices alone should get him fired or, or should have got him out. Um, there was another one where um, I I don't let's see. So this this person um, was working sixty hour weeks as a part time employee. He complained. This person actually spoke out about this and about how like labor laws prevent this from being a thing because he wasn't getting paid overtime. Eleven days later, he was fired. 
And he was thinking about suing, but like didn't want to be blacklisted in, in pro sports because like a lot of these skills that people develop in these in like sports, like aren't very transferable outside of sports. So it's, it's really difficult for people to want to be willing to blackball themselves like that. And so, I mean, the labor practices on its own were, were enough, but just the fact that Deloy Hansen's just like a raging racist as well is just like, he's fucking done. He's gone. Nope, he's yeah. done and gone. And I'd, I'd like to highlight um, one person in particular, um, and it's uh, Sierra King, who is oh, a rookie about that. for the Utah Royals. Um, she's a young black woman. Her first ever pro career contract playing here in, in Salt Lake. Her first games were at the Challenge Cup, which were hosted in Salt Lake during. She scored during on her bubble. first appearance too. Zip scored on her first appearance. Um, just by all accounts, a wonderful young woman, and she was one of the first and only like players, um, you know, on the Royals to come out and just say, you know, this is unacceptable. We can't have him here and all this. Like she has everything. One of the first lose. active players of all of all three teams. She may have been yes. the first actually. I think like, cause we saw stuff on like Nick Romando and like other ex players, but I think she was the first active player to say something. Yeah. And just so brave and heroic when you have that much to lose, like you, you've wanted to be a pro soccer player all your life and you have an Literally everything now. to lose. Yeah. And and to speak out at that moment is just so incredible um, and heroic and like so proud to have her, you know, here in Salt Lake as a member of the Royals, like just super awesome, like just the most props for yeah. putting yourself out there that way. Yeah, I I just I I I mean, I, I really I, I'm I as selfishly I, I've wanted Deloy gone for a while, but just hearing how many people have had just like these struggles working for this organization and having talked with some of the uppers in this organization and knowing how they view work and being proud of the fact that some people work quote around the clock, like they like this shit, like it sounds miserable and awful. And I hope that like when we do get new ownership, like all of this shit is just like a hall of reminders of like all the things that this club can never be ever again, because there are, there are good people who will come back to this club if Deloitte is gone. And there are good people who are there now and whose lives have been made, made really difficult because of Deloitte Hanson, because of Andy Carroll. And um, yeah, like this this really could change. I mean, it's scary because I know, and a lot of people are fearing for their jobs right now because there's so much unsurety. Um, but like this could bring a lot of good change. And I really hope that like all of this, I, I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to do, what we're, what soapbox is going to do with all the shit that we've gotten today, but it's like, this shit has to be like put somewhere as like a reminder that like, it, nothing like that is ever okay. And the things that people are going through, the people that don't have that aren't pro athletes with, with a bigger audience, but like at all levels, things are, have been so toxic and so bad. And I think, it, I mean, it culminated and Spence check saying things were out of context or he was emotional. That was a window <laughs> into how his brain works. And he fucking opened that window at like the worst possible time and he's gonna pay the price for it which makes me happy but i really hope things get better for all people in that organization because because people deserve it and people need to fucking have 
my God, I just, I, it makes me so angry. Just every single thing about this entire thing. Um, and just like how much people, they, they take advantage of the fact that people want to work in sports and they take advantage of the fact that people tattoo Real Salt Lake on their bodies. Like they know how much this club means to people. And so they know they can get away with a lot because of how much people love this and how much it means to so many people. So it's like, it's a, it's it's just completely it's 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 evil and i just i hate this shit so much but oh, anyway. yeah but i think one of the good thing is about it too is deloitte hansen's already fucked a lot of people out of their jobs so there's not really a the the damage will be minimal because he's already hit yeah. it like an he's no, already hit dude, it like a bomb so when he said we i'm gonna have to let another 40 to 50 people go someone messaged me and said we don't even have 40 employees right now that are working no they were like, running they were running interns for that game like, there was no I'm one like, else but interns. They were like, who the fuck is getting fired? So he goes and basically is now threatening people who may not, like they don't even know if they're going to get fired or not. But we had people this morning that's like, I think I might be getting fired because he said we have to let go of 40 to 50 people and we don't have that many people. So I think it's one of me. I think it has to be me. There's going to be it's some insane. interns getting incompletes. Oh my God. Um, yeah. like, like I've been a season ticket holder for 10 years. Um, you know, going to RSL games, like is one of like my favorite weekend activities. It's like, it's, it's so hard to beat a Saturday night out at Rio Tinto, you know, with, with friends, um, drinking one too many strawberries as we do <laughs> at a Rio Solo game. <laughs> so gross. Oh, um, uh, you know, you drink one too many of those and you yell at your, you yell at, other players and stuff and, it, and it's like it, it's such a fun experience. it's the best um and for it to be like a like solely in two ways because a the like i said the management of the team has been absolute garbage yep so like even as a fan watching the product on the field genuinely continually get well, worse and, and, really and, and we're learning how hamstrung like they've been like I, i'm almost like I'm, I'm impressed to some level that things haven't gotten so colossally bad that like Absolutely. our team is still decent despite being so handicapped by Deloitte Hansen and his his outlook on spending money on the team and it was like, I, owe, all... I owe like an apology letter to Craig Wable right? I do, like, I think, like it's like I, how much trash yeah. I talked about that guy but I, now now that I see what he had to work with like yeah. I mean, I, it, it's in like an open secret that RSL is the hardest place to work for in the league, which that's not a good thing. No, not at all. I mean, especially <laughs> especially they, they always talk about the challenges of being a small market. We don't have, you know, like the big ass companies here or whatever. And we don't have like all we're, but it, they give themselves more obstacles by being such fucking idiots like this. Like it blows my mind that they yeah. always complain about the, the small market, like the, the struggles, but then you got this guy leading the charge. Like, of course it's going to be even harder. Like why would anyone come here? No, I mean, that's, that's the incredible thing about it all too, is because yeah, it's a small market. So it's going to have all the challenges too, but also it's, it's magnified tenfold when your owner is a fucking prick. Who's not willing to do anything to help the team out anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, it's going to be I mean, a net like, positive. He's gone. Honestly, like we should just like bid adieu because he's probably going to be a pariah in Utah after this too. Because dude. no matter what, like even though we oh, live in a racist state and all that, no one likes to be called a racist, especially when it's objectively true. 
Dude. I don't know. Spencer Cox will find a way to put him in his <laughs> so, editorial. Mean, yeah, he'll be yeah, like the it. economic advisor yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that, too. Yeah. For... Oh, that, that is something funny to mention. Like the day before Spencer Cox, like the primary, um, Deloitte donated a bunch of money. And it just so happens that they got approved to have this 5,000 uh, fan game like right after that. But, Crazy. Uh, yeah, weird how that works. But um, I had a bunch of friends who you know, cancel their season tickets today and we're trying the whole day, but like couldn't get through to people because of how busy it was. And so many people were trying to cancel their tickets because of Deloitte Hansen. Um, well, there's probably like one account rep left. Dude. He, so well that, that too, they barely knew one working, but my buddy who canceled his ticket said our season ticket rep was basically crying saying he's sorry for everything and sorry for the delay. It's like this shit always it ends up falling on the people who deserve it the least. Um, yeah. Like the struggles when, when in, in these types of situations, which is the hardest thing about it. Um, like people, people get mad at, you know, uh, understaffed grocery stores or understaffed like restaurants or something like that when it's inconvenience. But like these decisions come from the top down and um, yeah. So like be nice to people you have to deal with in the, in these, these situations, because it's not, it's not these season ticket reps fault that Deloitte Hanson's a fucking imbecile. Yeah, and it, it's also just kind of falls to like no matter what, Deloy Hansen's going to be okay because if he gets bought out by the league, he'll get his whatever value for the team is. I don't know what it would be. Dude, I, I will take some solace that like I know how much he he basically is inflating. He he wants 150 million more than what the what the MLS is going to offer. Oh no, MLS is, is going to do their own appraisal level which, too. It's like here's your fucking money, get out of here. It's hilarious that he's going to have to sell for so much less because I know he he wouldn't sell below a certain number, and that was 150 million more than what he's probably going to get offered now. So, oh yeah, because our because MLS knows the value of the team. They probably yeah. know it better than he does. Oh, absolutely. So they're going to be like, here's our appraisal. We did it here. Here's your check. That by the way, the league approved it. You can sue if you want. It's not going to do you any good. Mm-hmm. Here's your money. Bye. Yeah, it's it's gonna get ugly. Um, but like Colin was saying, dude, like this this club means so much to so many people here, and including myself and a lot of like my close friends that I have now are because of RSL and like those. I mean, it's it's it means so much, and I really hope that shit gets better. But I said on Twitter, like as long as Deloitte Hansen's here, I'm like, not only will I not support them in any way. I will be. I will make a fucking three hundred foot banner for game days, and I will go stand in front on State Street and basically just talk shit on Dwight Hanson and Andy Carroll via banner. Like I will. I will try to make that. I mean, I do think he's gone for sure, but that's. I, I will. I will commit to doing that. It's going to be banner boys in front of on or on State Street until until he's gone. I have a friend who's a pilot. Maybe I'll do one of those big plane things. Oh, that, that, is, that is a soccer thing. We, what we should do is we should organize the, we should get all the Arsenal fans. We should get the, the Wenger out fans. The and Wenger really out fans. Get us, teach us how to do it. Right. Like, I know. I know. Um, so man, we've been talking for a while. I, do you guys want to briefly go over the RNC? Uh, what do you want to do? Well, let me just put it this way. Just rent death wish two through five and you'll understand exactly what the RNC was all about. That's all you need to know. That's pretty much what <laughs> the ethos a, it is. It was a trash fire. Like it's, I, it's bad. I yeah, just, can assume, yeah, I haven't, so I didn't watch a single minute of the DNC and I didn't watch a single minute of the RNC because I don't hate myself. Call. Um, and like Jordan, like your efforts are heroic, like for falling <laughs> on this grenade for everyone else. Like you deserve a round of applause the, for that. The first night of the RNC convinced me to vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. Like I was terrified. 
dude, he, uh, he, he sends this message. He's like, okay, guys, I'm voting for Joe Biden after like all the stuff that we've been saying. Um, and it was literally just cause of like, you know, Donald, Donald Trump Jr.'s Coke filled eyes, Kimberly Guilfoyle's like insane, like guttural scream. They want to destroy this country. And just like the fashiness. Well, that is something that just briefly, I I mean, this is getting very, very fashy. And um, there's been, there's like a ton of like leftist discourse about what fascism actually is. And I know that people have talked a bit about how like one of the missing pieces about Trump and Trumpism being fascism is like, um, you know, not having that street army. Um, I think we saw that that is uh, definitely in existence now. And, and, I, um, and especially with Tucker to, Carlson running interference for it. Yeah. And I think it really comes down to as well too, just like read Umberto Eco's uh, Ur fascism, which is, I think probably one of the best sort of ways to understand fascism in this country too, because what it says is, fascism doesn't have like uniform characteristics like there he has 14 points where he thinks like fit most of what the ideology of fascism is to but he goes in and says like german fascism was different from spanish fascism which was different from italian fascism and american fascism is going to be different than all of those and what we're seeing now is essentially what we're seeing is this sort of like cult of tradition, this uh, anti-intellectualism this anti sort of like analytical sort of argument that we're doing the right thing here and don't listen to anything else. We're the good ones here. Yeah. And well, um, it's scary. The the real thing I think that really sets it apart is that is, is it becomes the, we're doing the right thing here and we're going to enforce it by whatever means necessary. Right. It's like one thing where you're just like, okay, well we're doing the right thing. Or we're trying to do policy or like whatever like that. But it's another thing when you're like, actually we're going to put department of Homeland security agents who are unmarked and completely unaccountable to anyone in the streets of Portland and just start kidnapping people into vans. Right. Like that is, that is where you start to like tumble into fascism where the enforcement of it by any means necessary becomes the defining characteristic. Umberto Eco actually calls that like action for action's sake. Like there's no real like reason for it or anything you can legitimize. It's just, it has to happen. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I've just seen clips from the, from the RNC and it's just, it's so brutal dude i I just want to briefly mention it was so funny that um in burgess owens speech where he talked about how um we must fight against the same socialism that my father fought against in world war ii just i don't even know how to respond to that that would be a real surprise to the socialists who were on the first train to dachau yeah Yeah. i mean how does that famous line does anyone know the famous poem was the the first Uh, first they came for the communists and i said nothing because i wasn't a communist then they came for the Uh, trade unionists and i said nothing because i wasn't a trade unionist and blah 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 blah. yeah interesting interesting how the communists and socialists are really the first ones on there yeah and like he's what he's saying is that the nazis national socialists were essentially socialists because of their name but um any sort of like (laughs) anti-capitalist elements inside the the German National Worker, the German Workers National Socialist Party, uh, was pretty much wiped out the night of Long Knives when the Strasser brothers were killed by yep. the SA. So, uh, yeah, he just like they they really are still using the uh, the Nationalist Social or the National Socialist Party, the Nazis. You mean it's like 
But then they also don't like the communists of like the Soviet Union. And of course, they I don't know how they play into the Republican story of how World War II ended or if they think we just won it all on our own. I think they think that, right? Somehow all these socialist scientists ended up in NASA. Yeah, weird. Weird how that happens. Um, and also, I, I, I want to end on, on this this little quote from him, where we live in a country where we're encouraged to dream big, where second chances are at the core of your American DNA, unless, of course, you're um, black other than me, or if you have committed a crime, um, you don't get a second chance for that. You deserve to be murdered, of course. Owens continued, we don't hear that same message from Nancy Pelosi's Congress, career politicians, <laughs> elitists, and even a former bartender who wants us to believe it's impossible. Okay, saying elitists and then also like talking down about AOC for being a bartender three words apart is just like the most fucking ridiculous thing ever. But then also AOC famously anti-redemption apparently. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like her whole thing is like we need to give people more opportunity by allowing them to not worry about health care and college. Oh, my you know, God, dude. You know what's not elitist? Having your entire family speak at the national convention. Dude, that, is, that is not elitism. Oh right? It's the opposite of elitism. When your entire extended yes. family has cabinet positions. That Laura, Laura Trump was speaking. She's just married to Eric Trump. She's just married to him. But they had what's her face on to talk about nepotism. Um Oh my god. Was it Who Tiffany? Was it? No, it was um oh, I just that I think she was a lawyer. I can't remember, but she was That's Tiffany. Tiffany's a lawyer cuz No, 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 no. It wasn't no, it was someone else outside the Trump family that was talking about nepotism. T- Tiffany would have been super hot in 2003. Um <laughs> Tiffany, shout out to Tiffany, I guess for showing up. But uh <laughs> damn, dude, just Tiffany, I, 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 Tiffany's got Tiffany doing the bare minimum. Shout out dude, to Tiffany, Tiffany for showing up. Dude. Tiffany Trump, really <laughs> respect honestly, her for for I saying. Think I like, like Tiffany. She's but, dude. What was so funny about Tiffany? She was like, guys, I just graduated law school, and it's hard for me to find a job. I, <laughs> I understand where everyone is coming from. <laughs> it's so <laughs> difficult for me. My dad's the president. It's really hard. <laughs> oh my god. She was like, I just I. <laughs> That, that's I just up there with law school, and I, I'm I'm having a real difficulty here. I feel all your pain. Who are all the people who are about to get evicted? That, <laughs> yeah, all you people who have been furloughed for months and oh no income, God. and your unemployment benefits have run out, and you have no Dude. health insurance. I'm just like you. That's right oh up there with like God. Rona Romney McDaniel, like saying to us, like I'm just a housewife. It's like you're a Romney. Dude, I know it's. Oh my God. It's like these people lie to themselves you, more than anything else. I'm, I'm a housewife. I'm hey. married to John Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your your life experience is entirely different than literally oh everyone else God, on the country. So funny. Oh, I love it, dude. I hate it so much, and I love it. I just yeah. it's 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 it, like it's so awful, but it's so like I watched this all week. Yeah, it's just it's it like it's almost unbelievable. Like at this point, like at this point, you feel like you're watching a movie. Like none of this could possibly re- be real, which makes it seem kind of funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? like for example, the first two when they were doing like the roll call of the states, and Trump was like doing like a little speech in like Charlotte or something like that. He's like, and President Obama, and then immediately someone in the crowd yells "monkey," and then right. of course he's like, "now, now, be nice." And then, like, the crowd starts laughing. He's like, only in North Carolina. It's like, just for laughs. Ha, 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 ha. It's it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. I, oh. I, mean, I, I just want to be clear. I mean, fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> oh goodness gracious! Anyway, oh. you guys think Spence, Spence Checkets wants to take back anything from the night back, dude? Okay, so that that was what I really. So I was like, as as this interview was going, I was tweeting at him. I was like, dude, are you really? You're really going about this like this? Because on Twitter throughout the entire day, if you were in Utah media, you saw just like a stream of people sharing stories about like Deloy Hansen, and the second it's over. He tweeted something. I, 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 he was called like somebody called him stupid or something for doing the interview that way. And he was like, LOL, you people are insufferable. And I was like, yeah, man, great thing to focus on right after um, you just let Deloy go cry. I, I can't even, I'm going to read what I said because I really pissed me off. Oh, yeah. Like um, you had to be just like the most obtuse person not see the storm coming. I know that's what that's what I was I said incredible tweet to focus on right after the articles release outing Deloy Hansen for being the awful person he is you know how much the, this shit is out there about Deloy Hansen and you chose to focus your conversation on this morning and framed it as cancel culture and wokeness embarrassing dude and he deleted his tweet <laughs> so what, what did that tweet say by the way tweeted. what was that what did that tweet say anyway he that- said um Oh man, what did well? First off, he called he called people out for just um, wanting retweets earlier. Like that's why people started exposing Deloitte Hansen. Um, yeah, I, it's just I, I'm not sure. I can't remember. He he basically was just mad. Somebody called him dumb. Yeah, big uh, shout out to I, all the people from like ESPN 700, especially Bill Riley and uh, Spence Jackets, for just showing their real like courage today. Yeah, I mean, like, can like just like can you imagine like just whoring yourself out that way? Like, that's got to feel so gross. It's like, that's got to feel so gross to do that. Like, I just can't imagine. At least Bill like, Riley didn't say anything. He just like, yeah, just like kept quiet. And it's one yeah. thing if you like, you're like, okay, I have to have him on the show, right? Like, I get that, but you could at least push back. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't blame him for having him on the show. He Deloy can do whatever he wants when he owns the fucking radio, but he um. You, you don't have to. Uh, he didn't have to do it. the monologue setting the stage for the apology. It was. It was. It was absurd. Like even other MLS media people were like, "What the hell is this?" Like people who aren't really familiar with Spence Checkets, like um Jason Davis in particular. He's in. Uh, yeah, like Jason Davis. Oh, did like he de- did he delete his tweet? No. Ryan Rosenblatt was who works for like SB Nation as all like their video stuff too, and also a lot of soccer stuff was like tweeting about it too. And he, oh, was he like, said this, this will be the second radio show in Salt Lake, um, in Salt Lake City that he owns that Deloitte Hansen will appear on today. I say that as I listen to Spence Jackets carve out a lot of benefit of the doubt for Hansen ahead of his appearance. He spent seriously 10 minutes basically like setting the stage for Deloitte to walk in and, um, you know, get an apology. Wait, did Baron Trump do something at the I just saw Baron Trump? Is no, he's in. just very tall. Yeah, he's fucking gigantic. Um, but I think the thing with with Spence Checkett's, like, and it comes back to the MLS statement, like, it was obvious that something else was going to come out. Yeah. Everyone knew it. Everyone, all day, everyone was waiting for that bomb to drop. Yeah, Andy Williams, Andy Williams yeah. had, like, alluded to it. Like, there was, everyone knew more was coming out. Sam so. Stagecoll said, we'll have more on this later. And if the if the Athletic is saying we're going to have more on something, you should probably, like, hold on a little bit. Because their their thing also, like, got the nail in the coffin for Mike for Mike Pecky. Like, if they're, if they're going to go in, like, they're going to, they don't miss. No. <laughs> so. yes. Yes. Yeah. Also, also, fuck Mike Pecky. That's oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that was guy. the... 
the dumbest man on the planet too. Like who literally light, writes like a homophobic slur on a piece of paper and then pat, has the, has <laughs> it hand delivered. It's like, that was the most unbelievable thing I've ever heard in my entire. It's one thing to sit there and berate the referee on the field, but to then have someone deliver a paper, a paper with a slur written on it to the referee's room. You might as well insane. like, you might as well also include like your resignation letter on top of that too, just because like you're not holding a job after that. No, I know. Um, the Robert E. Lee facts guy, Thicky Rubio, Jason himself said, imagine you're an RSL fan and you've been in a coma since September, 2019. And you wake up tonight to find out coach gets fired for writing homophobic slur on a card and handing it to a referee <laughs> is now the only second is now the only the second craziest thing that's happened in team history. Uh, so, uh, that's where we're at now. Um, we oh, close out goodness. tonight. Deloitte Deloitte is going to be gone soon. Uh, God willing. I really, <laughs> really hope so. And uh, yeah, any parting words, my friends? Bitch ass white boy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. I had to do it. Colin, Uh, thank you for joining us. Hold on. In Greg's fashion, Deloy, you can come catch these hands. You can meet me in the boxing ring. If you can last 30 seconds, I'll donate $2,000 to your charity of choice. If you lose... You have to leave Utah forever. And you get ownership of the team. And I get ownership of the o- team. Offers on the table, Deloy. Take our take our boy Colin slash Greg up on it. Well, it's going to be Greg. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sending Greg. <laughs> Greg's like the, uh, he's like the rock and sock and robot we send into battle. And if Greg <laughs> is not able to fulfill those duties, we also have new Greg. We do have new Greg. <laughs> All Greg right, is Greg is like the super soldier, the Antifa super soldier out there. He like, does look like an dude. I, okay, final thing. One of the um, one of the protests I went to, Greg was down there on his bike. I can't remember if I mentioned this, but Greg is already so big and tall, and then he was on his like gigantic ass mountain bike in the protest, and it was he looked so he looked like the Antifa super soldier, but on a mountain <laughs> bike. It was crazy. Oh, love to see it. Uh, anyway. Well, I don't miss Greg because now I am the tallest one on the show, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I am the captain miss now. Miss you, Greg. Sorry. I, I, I miss Greg, you, I you, Greg. Sorry. I miss your front lawn. Anyway. All right, boys. Well, Thanks uh, for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. Of course. Good night, all, y'all. And good afternoon or good day or good morning, depending on when you listen to this. Bye. Thank you.